Welcome back to Real Phonies, where we take a love for movies and television and combine it with very little knowledge about movies and television. I'm your host, Christian. Join with me, as always, are my co-host, Joseph. Yellow. And Jehu. Christian, your face did some funny things while you were doing that I, intro. I was, like, out of breath, but wanted yeah, to felt do like it on. It felt like you were trying to channel somebody yeah. from beyond. I don't know about that. Uh, if you know, This is totally off topic. Uh I have thought lately it would be really fun to do the intro. Have you guys ever watched the Nathan's Hot Dog Eating Contest? (laughs) The dude who does the introductions for Mm, like Joey Chestnut are incredible. Uh, And I, what made me think of this on topic because we're doing Barbenheimer was uh, last year he quoted like the Oppenheimer speech, (laughs) but made it about Joey Chestnuts. And his ability to eat 70 hot dogs in a minute. Well, I mean, you just sold me on this program. Dude, you got to watch it. Just w- don't need to watch people eating hot dogs. Just watch the announcer right. introduce Joey Chester. Also, you're driving, so you can try this whenever you want. <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh, but we're doing Barbenheimer. We're doing both Barbie and Oppenheimer. We're doing it in or- in that order, Barbie and then. Well, Oppenheimer. I was going to ask, does, does does ladies first, does that does that feed to the patriarchy Ooh, or is that respectful? That's a great question. That is a great uh, question. I think it depends on probably who you ask. I'm, I'd say alphabetical, so Barbie still goes first. I like that. Um, you know, it's funny. I, I was thinking on the way over how we very often miss things. Like, you know, we, we decide to do a thing exactly when it's over. But uh, this time, the Barbingheimer thing is still going still strong. Going it's still wrong. what everyone is talking yeah. about. We're going into week three because we're slow. It's hard for me to make time to see two movies. I mean, that's One fair. of them's three hours. Correct. Right. We're going into week three, but yeah, it feels like there's no signs of either of right. us slowing down, really. I mean, week two, me and Sarah had to make multiple trips to uh, the Ridge, where movies do not sell out, <laughs> to see Oppenheimer because it kept selling out. I was about yeah. to say, I made an effort to go see it in IMAX, and I like could not get right. into an IMAX yeah. one that wasn't sold out. I went on in, like a Tuesday at like 7 p.m., and I give 7 p.m.'s prime time <laughs> showing, but I still didn't anticipate it to be... Yeah nearly as full as it was barbie on the other hand we saw that shit opening night you saw it opening night we saw it opening night. all right yeah. it was pretty damn fun so uh well before we get into it you know margot robbie directed by greta gerwig and produced by her and noah bombeck which is still the most incredible combination <laughs> yep. of things ever ryan gosling simu liu who else am I forgetting? Will Ferrell, Issa Rae, America Issa Ferreira, Ray, America Ferreira. That's a good one because I have I have feelings about America Ferreira. In sure. This movie. Uh, and of course, the film follows. Uh, there's Barbie Land and there's Real Land, and Barbie has to travel. Stereotypical Barbie has to travel from Barbie Land to the real world to meet the girl who's playing with her and find out why her life is being turned upside down. What do we think of this movie? So I've got two long-winded stories that are unrelated to each other that I do feel like I have to lead with. Okay, go for it. Uh, so the first one is I also made an effort to do the actual Barbenheimer, right? Uh, which was difficult because, again, it's hard to even find a showing of Oppenheimer you can get into. Right. And so what I selected was a 9.30 a.m. showing, which was a godsend, <laughs> on a Friday morning. Right. And you know, did you, you take off work? I did take off work. <laughs> I, have all, I have so much leave, guys. This is the best part of working remote. I never <laughs> took off when I worked remote. Um, and so, you know, you guys know I've been working from home for about three years now. Right. And I don't know, there are just there are certain parts of your brain that you just don't use anymore right. when you've been working from home for a long time. You don't see anybody all day. Uh, things you just don't worry about. Mm. And so I can tell you that as I'm I'm going to my 930 showing of Barbie into it 
completely empty lobby at Bayou 15 to the two female concession stand workers, and I realize halfway through that my fly is way down. <laughs> I feel like the biggest fucking pervert that's ever goddamn lived. <laughs> Look at my dick, and, ladies. <laughs> and and uh, again, the 9.30 Barbie movie. Yeah. Uh, and the, the worst bit after that is... I realize that halfway there, and then suddenly I'm aware of it. I'm in open space. There are two women actively looking at me. There's nothing I can do. You about can't address it. it. I can't do anything. Because then you're about making it. them look. And at also, because I've been in this situation before, you also can't just zip up. Right no, that's there. what I. You can't do it. You can't address that's it. That's what I. Because so, then you're really saying. Look at my so, so, so then I, I spend the rest of the, the, the walk up there trying to figure out how do I walk in a way that draws the least amount of attention to my dick. Uh, a thing that I'm almost, I'm almost positive that I failed at. Uh, anyway, so uh, uh, not an experience I would highly recommend. Did they call you out on it? They did not, but I think uh, I think we were all aware of what was happening there. I, I tell you this right now. I, I so relate to this because I've worked at home for like three or four years now too. And... I like used to. I had an almost Niles Crane esque sense of decorum in public, mm-hmm. and now I'll just all the time catch myself scratching my junk like a baseball player, <laughs> like it, with people around, and I'm like, "What the fuck am I doing?" Yeah, and it's yeah. just because I'm used to not having any reason not to. So my second one is kind of the beginning of my review. I'm glad we started talking about y'all's penis <laughs> for sure. That, that seems on, a, for Barbie. That Barbie. does feel appropriate, right? <laughs> so you know, one, we'll talk about more specifically the things that I, I felt about this movie. But I, when I immediately came home from it and talked to my wife, she asked me how it was, and I was like, you know, it was, it was good. It wasn't as good as I was hoping it was going to be, but it was good. And that was the end of the conversation. We didn't really talk about it. A full, like, 36 hours later, we're just, like, going to sleep, the lights are out, I'm I'm actively trying to avoid the existential crisis that is bombarding me every night before I try to go <laughs> so, to sleep. Hey. Uh, and then just out of nowhere, <laughs> my wife says, do you think you just didn't get Barbie because you're not a woman? (laughs) And I want to get that out out front because that is, you know, we're three men, uh, three fucking middle-aged guys uh, on a podcast talking about fucking Barbie. We're exactly who the Barbie movie is making fun of and not the people it is for. Oh, God. So so that said, we're going to do our fucking best, but I assure you as the listener, we get it. (laughs) The thing is, though, I don't think you missed this one uh, or didn't enjoy it as much because of sexism. I think it's just a crowd movie. Mm-hmm. I think you got to see this one with people. Now, that saying, I watched this movie with a lot of people, and I totally got its message. It's about tearing down the patriarchy and, you know, giving women the space to be who they are without having to conform to what men want them to be. And that's why it's so fucked up that all I'm going to talk about is how awesome Ryan Gosling is. <laughs> Isn't he so Like, good he just kills in this movie. He's a guy who, I always think Ryan Gosling is handsome, of course, because he is. But... I guess because the Ryan Gosling movie I watched the most over and over is almost a wordless performance that I don't, I forget that he's really fucking good, but yeah. he's really fucking good mm-hmm. in this. He just kills. Yeah. I, I do want to, uh, I'll say a couple of things about it. I think the movie's pretty good. I It's not as great as I wanted it to be, but I don't have very many like complaints about right. it. Uh, I appreciate that they did not take the easy road. They could have just made a Barbie movie. Right. Uh, and they don't. They make a movie that, like you're talking about, right. like handles like the societal pressures of women and even the history of Barbie. And like I respect that like Mattel kind of allowed themselves to be the butt of the joke, but also kind of not. Kind of not. But I mean, it's crazy that, you know. They even like tread those waters. Like, you know, 
Hasbro wouldn't let you make any jokes about them and Ronald Reagan brainwashing children mm-hmm. in the 80s. Mm-hmm. You know, so, I mean, I, I think they still did a good job of yeah. letting themselves be poked fun of a little. To the point that you talked about, I just want to say something for me. I watched it with my wife. My wife's crying. I'm cracking up the whole time. I think it's hysterical. However, there was two points in this movie where I was absolutely called out, mm-hmm. which is number one, the dad sitting on the couch. Oh, doing 100%. The duo, like, <laughs> I'm so glad you brought that up because in my theater, again, there's only like six people at 9.30 right, yeah. in the morning, but the rest of them were all women. And the the, the biggest, like, pop for a, like a, a making fun of the men joke was was the Snyder verse or the Zack yeah, Snyder yeah. one for them <laughs> but like the Duolingo thing they're just like the the, the earnest self-satisfaction yeah. of the dad on the couch doing the Duolingo the, hit me yeah. so hard yeah. I laughed so fucking god up. it hurt so bad <laughs> and then number two the obsession with push by Matchbox 20 <laughs> dude it's almost it's almost mean spirited how good Ryan Gosling was at singing that yeah. song yeah. Like, like not I know they were making fun of it but it wasn't just that it's like he hits everything about that song <laughs> so correctly that it's kind of hurtful yeah. particularly since oh what's his name i can't why can't rob I, thomas rob, he's totally a good guy and he's a good sport about this apparently he's like yeah it wasn't a surprise to me i knew that this my yeah. song was going to be the butt of the joke i like this movie it's better than transformers it's better than transformers and, and the two easily. leads are great yeah it, yeah it is funny that you guys were so on about this movie and you're just kind of ho-hum about it whereas i fucking loved it I had a sincerely great time in this movie. Um, I mean, I think I could talk about a bit more what I didn't like, but again, it just didn't like blow me away. Like, right. I wanted it to be my favorite movie of the year, right? Yeah, and it wasn't that. Agreed. Yeah. yeah. Uh, do you want? I don't know if there are spoilers, but we want to just jump I mean, into I whatever think spoilers, spoilers are. Sure. Yeah. So I will say that I think one of the things that I, I guess, didn't appreciate right. about it is that I felt like, again, I think they made brave choices. I just never felt like we could have, I feel like we could have gone more. Right. And we always like, again, I feel like the best way I can describe it is like, we were treading water, but we never swim. Right. With a lot of different ideas. And I probably would have been okay with that. The other thing, about halfway through the movie, going to the America Ferreira part, I felt like she should have been the main character of the Right. Movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. And once I didn't know that, like until I started watching it and then we're in it and I'm like, oh, the movie should be about her. We should right. be spending more time with her and kind of using Barbie through her gaze, right. which we are. But again, we're treading water. We're not swimming. I right. could have. I would have gone all in on that idea. Right. I. You know. Uh, it's. It's funny. American Ferrer. I hated the daughter for the first chunk mm-hmm. of the movie, and then they gave her the best line in the entire fucking movie, and I was like, oh, never mind, she's great. The, uh, you know, uh, men hate women, women hate women, it's the one thing we have in yeah, common. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that, that line, it didn't kill for the rest of the theater, but it, it killed me. I mean, the best line in the movie is Mojo Dojo Casa House. <laughs> That's the best line in the movie. Uh-huh. I, you know, g- going to the beginning of this movie, it felt like in the beginning... It was going to be two different movies. It was going to be a movie for kids and a movie for adults. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, the kids were just getting the jokes in the opening scene, whereas the adults were like, oh, this is a cool 2001 parody. And I like that they cut that shit out pretty soon after that. It quickly became just one movie. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, of course, it, it reminded me a lot of Gremlins 2. Have you guys ever watched Gremlins 2? No. You guys should really watch Gremlins 2. Tom. You know how Gremlins is like a safe, scary movie for kids that kind of makes fun of scary movies a little bit? Gremlins 2 is a parody of Gremlins 1. Mm. And th- this reminded me a lot of like of that. You know, 
it was almost while it was making this movie, making fun of this movie that it was making, but it also had an earnest point to make. And I, I, I don't think you see a lot of movies made about plastic toys that work on that many levels. Yeah, I agree with that. I don't think they do that. I do. Again, this is where I kind of disagree with you. Mm. I wanted more of like the 2001 like right. parody. <laughs> I thought that was hysterical. Right, right. I wanted more of that. And especially because that was advertised in the trailers. That's kind of more what I anticipated right. the movie to be. Right. Having said that, that scene is immediately followed by my favorite bit in the entire movie, which is that Lizzo opening song. And I realize Lizzo's like been canceled in the last 48 hours or whatever. But when did, What did Lizzo get canceled for? Bro, it's a story. Oh, dear. Well, That's going to break Sarah's heart. Yeah. Actually, she'll probably just stay on Lizzo's side. <laughs> unless, unless she stomped a cat to death, Sarah's probably going to stay on Lizzo's side. Uh, yeah, I don't know. It's weird stuff, but whatever. Uh, that, but the, like, the changing of lyrics and everything each time she's going, yeah, yeah, I yeah. was very good. on the floor. Yeah. It was hysterical to me. All the music, the pop music in this is great. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That Dua Lipa song is so fucking catchy. Right. Joseph, you're not talking about it. I, well, look, I don't, again, I, I kind of just felt like this is a fine movie, which is kind of my problem with it. So I don't yeah. actually have that many opinions about it. I'm, I'm mulling over your thought about America Ferrera should be the main character because I can see how that would be a more compelling movie. But I feel like the point that they were trying to make was like, we're experiencing that women experience the world differently and like the ideas of femini- feminism from somebody who's like never even thought of it before and just like waving that in. So no. I think, I think from that perspective it makes more sense that barbie well, is like, no i get it the, yeah, i yeah, get yeah. that yeah but I, I i can see how you're right like that would be a more bringing up an example near and dear to our hearts yeah. uh didn't we all when we watched transformers wish that optimus prime or bumblebee was the same was the lead character instead of sam mm, i don't i don't know if i agree with that <laughs> <laughs> i like i like that my my point was like we should make it a start with a normal human being in a relatable mm. circumstance uh, with a relatable set of emotions, and you're like, oh, it's the same thing as wanting to be a giant ass robot, right? <laughs> no, what I'm saying is, I'm saying that that like we could have made it America Ferrera, the, the yeah, main yeah, character, which would have been but Sam Witwicky, and we've done that a lot. Usually, that's how we always do this. Yeah. We always think that the audience has to see themselves. Yeah to relate to the situation and i've always been opposed to that so maybe that's one of the reasons why this landed so well for me yeah i just think that let me defend it since you two are tearing it down (laughs) i think to joseph's point absolutely the point of the movie would be let's look at feminism and the patriarchy through the eyes of someone who doesn't even know those concepts can exist right i get that that is the point of the movie the more interesting thing for me was watching a person who struggles and suffers within that, one, not only kind of overcome, not overcome, but have this realization that helps the other person, like, because Barbie gives in. She falls victim. She's overtaken by it. Mm. She becomes what America Ferreira's character has been, and Mm -hmm. America Ferreira's character and her daughter are what helped bring her out of that. And I just would have liked to spend more time. Now, were we given enough information Sure. Agree on all the points you're making. Right. I'm just saying that was a more interesting and compelling story to me than the Barbie one. Though I will say Barbie coming into the real world for the first time, having that conversation with that old woman and then mm-hmm. like really experiencing emotions for the first time. Mm-hmm. Margot Robbie is. Oh, she's so good. She's fucking great. Excellent. But hey, back on how great Ryan Gosling yeah. is. Uh, <laughs> I just love how quickly he turns from Barbie is his whole world to, oh, I could be in charge and I could have a horse. 
Which, by the way, we're both wrong about what the best line in the movie is. The best line in the movie is, I sort of gave up on the patriarchy as soon as I realized yeah, it wasn't about horses. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, that was a fun twist. Yeah. Uh, and it's played perfectly. And again, like, I feel like, though, they kind of undercut that moment with the Barbie apologizing to Ken bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't really like that part. Right. Uh, I do think that, yes, Ken was ignored and his right. feelings should be validated right. and all that. But but also, that does, but also that doesn't mean he deserves her. Right. Yeah. I think that know, was the best. Yeah. Which is... Which, I think was definitely. I'm glad it stopped at that part. I'm I, glad. I agree with that too. I just wanted someone to be like, but you were also kind of an asshole, right? Right. You stole my house and right. basically enslaved all of my friends. Right. There was a middle ground. There was a middle ground, right. and I don't feel like we really got there personally. But uh, by the way, another thing that I don't know if someone younger than me would agree that this was the best choice, but it was the best choice once Ken turns it into a raging sexist that the arcade machine he has in his house is Mortal Kombat 2. <laughs> not Mortal Kombat 1. Yeah, yeah. Not Mortal Kombat 3. <coughs> Mortal Kombat 2. Very on board with that. Yeah. That whole bit was super funny and great. <laughs> I was trying to think when, I, uh, when they, they go through the whole sequence, when the patriarchy comes to Barbie Land, right. what I would dress like if Nobody told me what, what I was supposed to dress like. Because I was like, I don't think it would be a giant mink coat and leather pants, but would it? I don't know. Did you guys kind of expect there to be another shoe with Will Ferrell? Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. He kind of he was so silly and so otherworldly. I kept waiting for he was actually from Barbie Land too. But you know, I don't know how that would have played in the whole story. So I guess I'm glad it didn't. It just seemed like. They were like, hey, let's just let Will Ferrell show up and be Will Ferrell. Who cares if it really works in this story? Again, I just didn't feel like we we teased like Mattel as being this kind of like dark evil corporation. Right. And, yeah. But then not. That when he said he supports the dreams of girls, he meant it. Right. Yeah. Like I, that was a weird choice. In the right. least creepy way possible. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm sure there was a massive negotiation on where the line had to yeah. stop. And it was right there, I yeah. imagine. We're gonna make you appear bad. But you're not really the bad guy of this movie. Yeah, it's yeah. Ken. I'm honestly, I, where I saw this movie two weeks ago, I'm surprised how much I'm remembering about it. But uh, I also, I was super pissed about the last end of the movie until it was a setup for a joke. Mm-hmm. Like when she yeah, decided to leave Barbie Land, I was like, that doesn't even make any sense. Stay in this place that's changed now for the better. Mm-hmm. Like you know, don't go to the real world. But when it was all just a setup for a vagina joke, I'm like. Okay, I'm on board. Yeah, that was a great, yeah. great bit. And it was the last line in the movie. The last line in the movie was about a gynecologist. I love that. Hashtag feminism. <laughs> Anything else? I hope they don't make a sequel. I know they will because oh, it's made an sure ass ton will. of movie, but I don't money. see how... Ass ton of movie. Ass ton of movie. Ass ton of money. But I, I just don't see how they could push this concept any further. Yeah. Oh, they'll definitely try, bro. Right. I mean, again, it's got a great cast. Too many people almost. Like, right. Yeah. Like you cast Kings, Kingsley Benadir, who I think is a pretty good actor. I'm not going to watch Secret Invasion, but right. uh, anything else I've seen him in, he gets like <laughs> one line of dialogue in yeah. it. Nakushi Gatwa, I mean, he's not really a big actor yet. He's about to be because he's about to be the fucking doctor. Right. Um, yeah, just a lot of fucking. What, what other men are in this movie, Christian? Shang-Chi? <laughs> John Cena? <laughs> There's not enough oh, famous women in I, it. I, I forgot, like, the most important point, part of this entire fucking movie. Alan. Does Michael Sarah 
ever get cast in anything anymore that he isn't cast that it's funny that Michael Sarah is no. playing this part. No, that's so That's his wrong. whole thing now. And don't get me wrong, he was fun in this movie. I just like, if you look at Michael Sarah's IMDb, you know how they have those four movies up top that's the four things they're yeah. known for? They're all from 2008 on yeah. Michael Sarah. <laughs> for sure like, you know, are, yeah. I mean, it, I'm, you know. But uh, but no, he he was pretty great. I, I was, want to challenge your premise here for a second, by okay. the way. I was fucking stoked to see Rhea Perlman in this fucking yeah, movie. Oh, right? dude, I marked out for <laughs> Rhea Perlman. Although, I de- I, uh, on the other side of that, I may have blurted out, it's Danny DeVito's wife! <laughs> so maybe I don't win on that one. But yeah. Uh, <laughs> <dude>. <laughs> But yeah, um, man, I, I, I guess I, I, I'm really surprised I liked this movie so much more than you guys. You know, and I know you guys don't dislike. No, it's but, it's better. But than I would I would go see it again tomorrow. Like, yeah. I really think you guys should try to see it with a crowd again. Going back to Transformers, you know, I have that story of I watched the tran- the first Transformers movie the first time screening it by myself and thought this is fucking ridiculous, and watched it the next night in a sold out auditorium. Is like this is fucking great, <laughs> you know. So I-, I think there's certain movies that are for a crowd, and this is a crowd movie. Yeah, I probably had 15 people yeah. in my theater. It wasn't much, and two of those were myself and my wife. So. Right. But yeah, no, I mean, I liked it, again, I will probably watch it many times over. I laughed a ton. Part of it was just personal expectation. Uh, Those trailers, I thought, were fucking excellent. Right. And everything about this movie had me really excited. And it just didn't live up to my expectation, and that's my fault, not Barbie's fault. Yeah, I I totally agree. You know, at the end of the day, for me anyway, it was just a movie. (laughs) Yeah. That brings us to the second half of this cinematic journey. Oppenheimer. Yep. Uh, following J. Robert Oppenheimer, basically, you know, leading up to the Manhattan Project and through it, and then how did he fall from grace so quickly and so publicly uh, during the McCarthyism, you know, Red Scare? You know, again, just the stacked just fucking stacked cast. cast. Killian Murphy, Emily Blunt, Matt Damon, Robert Downey Jr., fucking Alden Ehrenrich for a reason. Yep. Dane DeHaan. Dane DeHaan. For a reason. Who I, who I said, is that that kid from the Metallica movie? And it was. <laughs> it was. Yep. He looks even creepier now. Florence Pugh. Florence Pugh. Jack Quaid. And Florence Pugh's boobies are in this yep. movie. Let, let, let's just say, first of all, <laughs> when we're talking about the cast, this movie had all the handsome yet off-putting men in it. Okay. Every pause. single one of them. Pause for a second. Right. Josh Hartnett should be Batman, right? Well, yeah, no, mm. totally. He, you know, he was almost he was See, al- almost Superman. He was almost Batman too. He he auditioned for Batman Begins. He turned oh, it down. Ba- so, I, like, if you're doing mid forties Batman with it children, should be, yeah, totally. It oh, should absolutely. be fucking Josh yeah. Hartnett. I had just assumed that something bad had happened to Josh Hartnett's face over the last twenty <laughs> right, years, which right. is why we hadn't seen it. But no, that guy looks fucking good. Right, yeah. It looks like he's maybe hit the HGH a little bit. Right. He's way fucking bigger I mean, than I remember. Yeah, he being. looks cooler than he ever looked. Yeah. yeah. So you know how if you're listening to like NPR and they're doing a story about like Apple, they've got to say we we need to mention that Apple is a heavy investor in us. You know, yeah, yeah, they, yeah. So I feel like I have to get this bias I have about Robert Oppenheimer Just, out here. Robert Oppenheimer probably killed my grandfather. Whoa. But by waiting to 1987 to kill him. There, they made, he made sure there was a Jehu. Can we hear the story behind so, this? So, Odell, you know how they talk about in this movie that there was there was an invasion force that was training to go in and that, that the bomb prevented. Mm-hmm. Well, Odell was part of that an invasion force. And when they didn't have to invade, instead what they did was went there for cleanup. Mm. And, like, everybody that Odell served with all died, like, 85 to 87. They all just started dropping off of cancer. 
So, uh, so yeah, you know, I have mixed feelings about him, but I'm mostly positive because for the most part, I've liked being Jehu. Yeah. <laughs> you know? <laughs> How did we feel about this movie? Oh God, I fucking love this movie. Yeah, I don't want to talk. I don't want to give you guys another second. This movie is a fucking masterpiece. Yeah, it is fucking. Great. <laughs> Hang it up in the Louvre. It's incredible. I one hundred percent agree. <laughs> Whoa, I completely disagree. Uh, <laughs> I, well, okay. Before you get into what you don't yeah. like about it, I'm going to say a couple things I, I do like about it. First of all, I finally figured out the fucking Christopher Nolan mumbly thing. All the artsy shit he talks about it is bullshit. Here's what it is. Are you guys familiar with Steve Albini? No. no. Steve Albini is a record producer, and he's mo- known mostly for indie rock. Probably the most famous records he did was Nirvana's In Euro and the Pixie Surfer Rosa. And what he's, he's, he's known for doing a great drum sound, a really aggressive guitar sound, but what he's mostly known for is the dynamics. Really lows, then really high. So, like, PJ Harvey's Rid of Me. Like, that, that girl's a great singer, but her voice is way down in the mix. So you fucking crank that shit to hear her voice. And then when the loud part kicks in, it's the coolest sounding thing you've ever sound, heard in your life. I figured this out walking in at the ridge and the trailers were the loudest thing I'd ever heard in my whole goddamn mm. life. And I realized, oh, he's making everybody turn it up for this vocal. So when it gets to the loud part, it just it's knocks very out effective. Yeah, It's yeah. so effective. Yeah. Yeah, which I will say Ludwig Göransson's score in this movie is just it's it's great. It's definitely not something Hans Zimmer couldn't have done. <laughs> I mean, I think that's true. I would argue that I think surprisingly Lu- Ludwig Göransson who I've never really heard be like a string guy before relies far more on strings than I've ever yeah, heard yeah. Hans Zimmer use in a score before. And one thing I also wanted to say about it, going into it, I did not know what I would think of, of Nolan's take on it. Because, you know, The Dark Knight was sort of a closeted love letter to George W. Bush. Great movie, <laughs> but I don't agree with its politics. The Dark Knight Rises is an open love letter to George, uh, George <laughs> W. Bush. Again, a movie me and like three other people love, but I don't know if I agree with his politics. So I didn't know if where he stood on the atomic bomb was going to be where I stood. But, it, I mean, I, I really related to his take on the whole arc of the story. I'd be interested to, to hear more on that, Hurt, because I feel like he doesn't really take much of a stance at all. Well, I think he takes the stance... That it seemed necessary at the time, but now maybe it was for the worst. Yeah, I mean, uh, okay, I agree with that. And I feel like everyone feels that way. Right. Though. Like, the lead up to it. Well, I, I thought he was going to totally take the stance of, if we didn't drop these bombs, more people were going to die. Mm-hmm. And it definitely does mention that at the time. But then you also get later in the movie when Oppenheimer says, you know, I don't even know if that was true. Maybe this enemy was already beat. Mm-hmm. You know, so what didn't you like? And look, I don't, again, I, I I felt almost the same way about Barbie as I felt about Oppenheimer. In that, I came in with with relatively high, pretty high expectations. I think, and it was just a movie. It was fine. Uh, I I think it is. There's the the trademark Nolan like jumping around time wise. You know, mm-hmm. there's there's a deposition thing. There's a congressional hearing, and then there's kind of like our main story that they're all just kind of jumbled together. But the thing that really surprised me about it is how like bog standard biopic it is to me. I have a point on that when you're done. Go ahead. Okay. Yeah. No. I, I like especially the the first hour in particular, and the first hour it, it's so weird for a three hour movie to say, but the first hour feels like 
they just couldn't get it done fast enough. Right. Like, everybody's talking incredibly fast. Right. There's all, like, quippy one-liners until we fucking get to something. I loved it. I, I did, too. I fucking hated it. <laughs> uh, I was like, this is a three-hour movie I can watch. One made by someone with ADD. Right. Uh, I, don't, I don't need Scorsese giving me an 18-minute scene. I need 18 seconds. Right. And I, I, I think, I think part of it is kind of to your point, Christian, is that like I, I liked the second, like the the last two hours better because it, it felt like slowed down more, like character pieces. I think all the performances are excellent. I just don't know that it says anything. I don't know that it does anything. And I'm like, why do we spend all this time doing just like I don't know, telling a very normal story? <laughs> like I, I don't feel like there was a, a, a lot of takes. I don't feel like I got a lot of insight uh, into like Oppenheimer or any of the characters as like men or people I don't maybe know. it's just because i'm so much closer to death than you are but like it's just felt like it was saying so much it was like to me it was like it had so much to say it's like i gotta watch this again to catch all the things it was saying yeah one of the big ones for example that i walked away from this movie talking about which i'm gonna both complain and compliment the same thing okay here, which is i think one of the points of the movie is that no matter how well you mean you can still hurt the people around you right and even hurt yourself for example, the hurting yourself part, Oppenheimer, Robert Oppenheimer, never a communist, never officially anyway, right? and a devout, like, I don't want to say devout, but a Jewish man who felt very devoutly that the Germans needed to be stopped, right? feels like he's just doing something to entertain his interests and ends up destroying his career. The, f- the other part of that is how you hurt others. Of course, the easy analogy to the point Hurt was making mm. earlier is the atomic bomb, right? And even his, you know, his own words quoting the "I am become death" thing twice in this fucking movie. Okay, but listen, oh, I, I need to talk about that. That's the so, part we'll so talk about all these yeah. things. So I did not like that they put it in the middle of a sex scene. I thought okay. it was an odd choice. But hold on, just okay. a second. But it stuck with me since then, and this is exactly the point the movie is about. He doesn't know that he is do he is going to be the reason this woman kills herself. Right. He doesn't understand that. And so instead of putting it when he's killed a quarter of a million Japanese people, he putting it in this moment where he's unintentionally killed this woman gives us the exact same perspective in a much more intimate, small, quiet, personal moment. And to me, that hits better. I like that. More. They they do it both times. Here, here is my Go counterpoint ahead. to that. My least favorite part of all biopic movies. Patton Oswalt calls it the moment of irony. I don't think that's an apt explanation, but I don't. I can't think of a better one. But it's where you meet the thing you're known for, but instead of it just being an idea you came up with through your work and your experiences, it's something that is brought to you mm. and says something about your life beyond that you know for example you can't walk no line like that doesn't take into account that that song was written for a different woman mm-hmm. you know <laughs> you know it was that she was a, a woman that he was cheating with so it was the opposite of the message of that that song and it just it just leaves behind that johnny work uh, johnny cash had just worked hard on his craft and wrote a terrific song yeah on the other hand, the way to get me around that, show some titties. <laughs> like, you know, like we get to that part and I was like, I know this is the part of the movie I hate, but I'm really digging this part of the movie. Yeah. And so. I, I, to, to your point, I felt like so many fucking things in this movie were just Hans Dice or Indy's hat. You know, like right. just shit that we gotta like we gotta plug in there because it's the thing that you remember about him. And it, it, I feel like every single time the movie just stops, it's like, hey, hey, 
Remember this? Uh, and I mean, right. I, I think I think the, the, the I Am Become Death quote is one of them. There's a whole ridiculous scene of him standing in his fucking Los Alamos house with like his hat and pipe and like a like a sunlit little desk thing. And he picks each one up and puts it on like, is he fucking getting ready for like, it's, it's like the last samurai getting ready for battle but with the fucking <laughs> dumbass hat from his fucking uh, right. uh, biography picture. Uh, I don't know. There are like lines like, I've always wanted to build something in Los Alamos. And then, oh, we know he's going to build something in Los Alamos. <laughs> Oh, huh, that's fucking crazy. Okay, but you understand they built something in Los Alamos because he fucking chose Los no, I, Alamos. I know, but like, the, like, how do else are you supposed to show that, Joseph? It's not going to do what just, you say. Just do it, but like, you don't need the movie to, to be like to have this like this this like oh he he wants to build something in Los Alamos and oh he's he's going to he does he does do this thing. That it he would was be one say. thing if he were fucking fictional and we were teasing it. But the reason that whole place happened was because this dude wanted to do so, it. So there. you're so you're saying there is a line of dialogue somewhere written down in his life where he turned to somebody and says, "I'm gonna. I always wanted to build something the here." Dude in Los went to fucking Los Alamos when he was 19 I, years sh- old. Sure, I'm just, I mean, <laughs> well, the thing is though, I bet he said six or seven hundred times in his life. Someday I'm going to build something in Los Alamos because people don't have writers and they just say dumb shit over and over. <laughs> Anyway, let's move on to the next thing. Whatever. Listen, I want to build a house on a piece of property I don't yet own, but I've sure as fuck said, God, one day I'm going to own five acres. I'm going to build me a house on it. Right. Like, that is not a ridiculous plot point. <laughs> I just I just feel like there are so many points like earlier on that are either uh, setups for, I don't know if reveal is the right word, but... You know, like the markout moments, like the line, or or just sign up, like setups for like irony. And actually, I mean, I guess that's just movie making. I don't know where where they're like warning Oppenheimer about his hubris and whatever. I don't know. They're, it just it, it a lot of it just fucking rubbed me as like we're defining his life, kind of what you're talking about. Like we we know where it ends, so we're gonna we're gonna write all these scenes in about a real man's life that make it seem like these things were inevitable. Right. Uh, they were always going to happen. See, I don't take it like that at all in this movie. I take it to be going to the hubris thing it's they are what causes his fall that and this is the part of the story that people like don't fucking know but when someone keeps it all in house like that he makes all the decisions and all those decisions are influenced by something personal like forcing your you know the government to accept your communist brother communist brother to go to the secret site where you're building a secret weapon so one day the government can say i don't know man sounds pretty fucking fishy you picked this place you wanted to build made us bring your communist brother by the way five years later the communists now fucking have one like it's it's not building to the atomic bomb it's building to his fall because he controlled the whole thing like, I, I don't know. I just totally see it completely different. Obviously. <laughs> this is the most Siskel and Ebert we've ever gotten. <laughs> like, uh, uh, I, I tell you a thing that I was sort of disappointed with. With Again, it was just an expectation. I had watched some interviews with Robert Downey Jr. going into it where he had said that that Christopher Nolan wouldn't didn't allow him to do his Robert Downey Jr. things. Yeah. And he had to, like, sort of act more in Totally it. disagree. That was not true. Not true at all. Yeah. Like, he... Every chance he did, he did that sort of back into the left motion yeah, yeah. he does when he said a zinger. Like it, we, it, there was never a moment where I wasn't like, "That's Robert Downey Jr." Yeah, yeah. yeah. Did Gary Oldman take hell out of this movie? Because it threw me through a fucking Dude, loop. I, I don't know a lot about <laughs> Truman. Was Truman that big of an asshole? I certainly believe it. Apparently, I mean, apparently, he dropped the atomic bomb. That's, that's a great point. <laughs> I mean, I just know that I know that when I watch Selma. Which I don't think is a well-made movie. I think there's a good movie to be made about that, and they yeah. didn't make it. But one of the big things that made me took me out of it was making Johnson the heel, because that's just 
not factual. That's yeah. just not, no one else could have got us to civil rights except for Johnson. Yeah, no yeah, other yeah. president. Apparently, the quote at the end of, of the like, don't let that crybaby back in my office is a real quote. <laughs> so I don't know about the rest of the stuff. I'm just wondering if there's some old coot who watched this and that just ruined it for him. I know Harry Truman went like that. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, but, I, I don't think you can defend a guy who, again, not only chose to drop it. Dropped it twice. The, the only person in history. <laughs> yeah, the only guy ever to do it. That, that's, that's a really good point. And yeah, Gary Ullman was just Gary Ullman in a get-up in this. Yeah. Like, it wasn't like he was playing a character. I it, did, it didn't bother me. No, it didn't really me either. Oh, yeah, it bothered me. Because it, <laughs> it felt like uh, Gary Oldman, I, who I think is an incredible actor, sometimes can be, I don't know, a caricature rather than yeah. a character. Right. Totally. And this felt like a character. Right. Like, he just wasn't, I don't know. Like, I know he had the whole movie, but he did not give this the care he gave to Churchill. Yeah, correct. Who was also a fucking asshole. Yeah, but the atomic bomb explosion, man. That whole I, scene that's is great. great. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm going to say it's not the best depiction of Los Alamos I've ever seen. What would be? There, There is an episode of Twin Peaks The Return where mm. they, they uh, it's a whole episode in black, white, and black and white, and it's not spoiling a movie that, ha- I mean, a series that's, plot is almost impossible to follow to say that it's sort of the origin story and their origin story is Los Alamos and they show it in black and white and it looks way cooler than this. I'm just saying I think maybe they should have switched who was black and white and who was color in this. Maybe Oppenheimer should have been black and white Mm. and Robert Downey Jr. should have been color. Yeah, I don't think they did. You know, I've heard it's the whole subjective versus objective thing. Um, I don't think they did that very no, well. No, I, I don't think so either, because like, my, my guess on He's it... He's not in those scenes either. That's my other problem. Right. Who? Oppenheimer. Oh, my, my thing that I thought it was going to be was all the black and white scenes were going to be things that were on written record. Because mm. that makes the most sense to me. That's what I thought they meant by objective. Because I think um, that's how it is on JFK, right? Something similar to that. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I was thinking that stenographer was not fucking doing anything in the background. <laughs> right. But then I remembered that there was like fucking shorthand for stenographers. Like maybe he is. Maybe he only needs to push like two keys to yeah, write three yeah, words. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Some T9 action. Yeah, going I'm on. like, I, I don't really want to challenge Nolan's historical accuracy on, on that. stenographers. Yeah. Uh, having said JFK, the Oliver Stone version of this movie would be fucking bonkers. <laughs> and I wish it existed. <laughs> Me too, because. I've said this many times before. It's one of my go-tos. Oliver Stone maybe doesn't do the best cinematography, but he does the most. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Especially for a guy who fucking loves Vladimir Putin so much. I really want to know his opinion on the atomic bomb. Uh, so speaking of, of uh, I don't know, speaking of anything, but how awkward do we think that deposition sex scene was to film? Because I oh. thought about that a lot. <laughs> Sarah's convinced it was CGI, and nope. I'm like, there's no way that Fucking this kook away. didn't make this happen yeah. in real life. Yeah, no, absolutely. He says there's no CGI in the movie, so not in that scene. There, it's something so funny to me because I don't know. I've never, I've never done it, so I'm mm. not an actor. But I know like general sex scenes are really awkward, anyway, right? Because you know, like that had to be worse. Like, like, like you know, just thinly behind that fourth wall in the darkness, there's 30 people that are staring at you, pointing things right. at you, whatever. Uh, and I, I get that that is awkward, but there's just something about everybody else being in like fucking suits, right? Being that, oh, like yeah, that yeah, makes yeah, it yeah. overdressed, like so much, like yeah. feel so much more yes. pervy. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah, yeah, yeah. also in between scenes. They got up in their suits. Yeah. They got up naked. <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, there, Jennifer Lawrence has this great interview where she talks about sex scenes being terrible because you never know, like, if you're giving too much or giving too yeah, little, yeah, yeah. you don't know. And, like, at least you don't have that worry here, but absolutely, you feel like the odd man out. 
I, I tell you what, I honestly, more than like the exposure, I felt bad for Florence Pugh, though. Uh, fucking uh, Cillian Murphy must have some bony ass hips. Yeah. Like, see, those had to have been cutting on him, <laughs> cutting in her on that chair, man. Apparently, uh, Oppenheimer might have actually been schizophrenic, and the whole poison in the apple thing was just a figment of his imagination. Right. I see. Uh, so, I don't know. Maybe kind of shitty to right. m- mental health to include that in the movie, but we don't know. It was definitely a weird way to basically start the movie and then have nothing else like that yeah, yeah, ever yeah. occur. Yeah. yeah. Well, that he has the capacity to kill. No, that's that's a good point, Jones. Yeah. I, you you watched this movie thoroughly. Oh, I told you, I really fucking liked it. I, I really loved it, too. I I mean, it's going to be hard for this one not to be... Oh, it's, it's Nolan number one for me. Yeah. yeah. Whoa. Yeah. Holy shit. Well, I was going to say movie of the year, but then I remembered how weepy I got during Guardians. Inception might beat it, but I don't know. I will also... See, I, I put Prestige over Inception. Woo! Prestige is great, too, though. Yeah. I I mean, again, you know, a few weeks ago I talked about how my parents split up because my brother was dead, so I have a little bit of bias on that. Right. Uh, my first real adult job was dropping bombs on people. Oh, so, um, you know, it feels applicable. Right. <laughs> I have absolutely, this is a 100% true story, sat in a room, I was in Honolulu, Hawaii, the fucking commander of the Pacific, this was a fucking Navy captain at the time, and there was like five of us, and I won't tell you all what we were doing. We were mission planning for something, and I did not speak because I was nobody, but I was <laughs> right. from the targeting shop who was, and I was like me, myself, an E5, and an officer who were presenting what the rest of the targeting shop had fucking put together, and the officer was like, so we think we should do this so we don't really kill a lot of civilians, and no shit, that dude was like, okay, but what if we did? <laughs> like... That is absolutely the mentality of, like, senior military defense officials. You have to have people who say, like, there's, again, my whole career field was dropping bombs, but part of that was quantifying, uh, you know, the kind of effect that would have on a civilian populace so that you could say, listen, I know you really want this bad guy dead, but you're going to poison that water for, like, six months. Right. You're going to kill a lot more people than that. Maybe that one bad guy, not so bad. Right. Maybe it's fine if we let him live. Right. Yeah, no, this shit absolutely happens. Well, I mean, you know, I mean, you know, if you've had like a any shitty corporate job, you've dealt with some shitty corporate person who you've said, "Hey, maybe we shouldn't fuck people over that like this." And then they're like, "But probably we will." Yeah. So, I mean, I can see how that do, would be Do you want a job tomorrow? Ampl- <laughs> amplified yeah. by 100 when you're dealing with lives. Yeah. You know, pretty serious stuff. I don't know. I still don't know why this movie had to be 3 hours long. I don't see how it could have been a second less, and I could have went an hour more, I swear to God. <laughs> and you know, nobody hates long movies more than me. It's my fucking cross to bear. Yeah. The hatred of the, why does every movie, have, not just three hours, two and a half hours. Why does any I mean, movie need to be more than two hours? I think that's pretty shared between everyone on this podcast, and yeah, I, I also agree with you. I, I did not feel like three hours for me. Mm-hmm. I would watch it again tomorrow. It was awesome. Y'all are wild. I don't, I don't <laughs> Is it better or worse than Transformers? Oh, no, it's better than Transformers. It's it's better than Tenet. It's definitely better than Tenet. Tenet is dog shit. I can't decide if it's better than Interstellar. It's definitely better than Interstellar. They beat a black hole with love. Come on now. (laughs) I don't know. Like, there's there's nothing here to learn for me. Fucking, that movie has Jessica Chastain in it. How is there nothing to learn I'm glad you're so morally superior to the rest of us, Joseph. It's about something that happened once ever and 
trying to make it not happen again. How is there nothing to learn? <laughs> I, from that? I guess so. I don't know. It's just like I guess it's not the least surprising result because it's history. It's a real thing that happened. But <laughs> I don't know. It's just like guy gets involved in a thing kind of over his head. He gets involved in the work. The work gets taken away from him. He regrets the result of the thing that he didn't really think about the consequences of. Why do we need three hours for that? I will say this. Like you know, I was going to say what what twists are there going to be? What is he going to join the Avengers? But. I say that as the joke at the end of every movie. I'll lean over to Sarah. I was like, yeah, yeah. do you want to hang out and see if Nick Fury asked Barbie yeah, yeah. to join the Avengers? But in this one, wouldn't it have been awesome if Nick Fury would have asked him to join the Avengers? <laughs> I mean, wouldn't it have been great if he undercut this whole three-hour epic with a joke at the end of the credits? <laughs> we haven't even talked about Emily Brunt. What? Uh, well, she was I, fucking let's, awesome. Let's fucking talk about that. Because why is she in this goddamn movie? I just don't think he didn't want anyone who hasn't or at some point probably will win an Academy Award. Maybe. I, I, I think she... I think she's great. She just inhabits this very weird space of she exists behind closed doors exclusively the only thing that she is there for is to in between a lot of legal scenes be like the voice of the audience be like why aren't you standing up for yourself why aren't you doing the right thing uh jesus yeah that's not what everyone sounds like you said you should cut that out you're a a lovely woman i I will i will kill you if you cut that out (laughs) that that has to be in the barbie podcast that yeah (laughs) double your your imitation of a shrill woman Uh, uh, but I like I don't know. She, like he hates Barbie and <laughs> fucking. She she's just she's just like a weird. She's not really a person. She's not really a wife. She's just kind of a representation of either Oppenheimer's indignation or I guess the audience's indignation for like his position. But she doesn't really exist for any other reason. I I'd see. I think she exists for a perfect reason to make this movie personal. Everything else, even Florence Pugh, who is you know portrayed as his more true love, yeah. is part of the plot to the atomic bomb. She isn't. She's just his wife who's tired of him always not being home and being kind of a dick. Yeah. I think that's essential to this story. And it's particularly essential to when she's been such a fucking nag for the movie. And you get her in that scene where she's taking up for him, and you immediately turn on her. It's like, oh, she's fucking awesome. She's had to put up with a bunch of shit. No wonder she's been a dick to this dude. And yet still committed. Still loves him. You know, the, uh, I'll say two things on this. I love the Point hurt just made uh i do also think that it is a and and kind of maybe to joseph's point there's a lesson everyone knows that do we really need three hours to teach it or whatever i also think she is a good example of people who could fall into the exact same trap as oppenheimer because she was a part of the communist party right. she leaves she never really questions the work they're doing in right. los alamos right. she seems to be right on board with it so you know and until the end Whereas he maybe is ridden by the guilt, she is like, fucking stand up for yourself and just do something right. about it. So maybe the outcomes are different, but she follows a very similar, I think, trajectory. Right. And I do think the mirror there has a place. Maybe maybe not necessary. It is fucking bonkers that the first hour of this movie, she is in the background of every one of those fucking scenes and doesn't say a goddamn <laughs> yeah. word. That is Emily Blunt. She's fucking Mary Poppins. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you give her no lines for 60-plus minutes of this And you were paying her to do that. Yes. I wonder if that's a good day at work. You mean for, like, (laughs) a third of my job, I'm not going to have to say shit? Sign me up. Enough of it is it out of focus, too, where you could be like, is it Emily Blunt? But you're like, no, it's her. She's just not saying, like, that was trippy to me. 
I don't know. I love this movie. I also love this. I movie. I had an additional thought specifically about. I'm that. sure it was bad. I don't. Well, I don't remember. <laughs> One of just just a, a nitpicky thing, and and this is also a weird thing to me. Specifically, that Christopher Nolan chooses to do because it's, it's a it's a generally accepted thing. But Christopher Nolan is all about like he's big on exceptional people. Like that's very mm. much what this fucking movie is about. But again. It's very, very biopic. It's like, you know, the, the troubled genius, he's like a philanderer, he's whatever. I don't know. Like, there's a lot of shit that bothers me about this movie. It's, which, again, I think is better than Transformers. But it's weird to me that it's still important for him to be like, he's not, he's a physicist who's not great at math. They say that like a couple different times. Right. There's a time where he has a conversation with Einstein and they're both like, we're not math people. And I think that's just fucking weird because right. that's like, a, that's like a, we don't want this person to be too smart. We want this person to be accessible to our audience. He's like me. He doesn't do math good. He's an ideas man. He, he proved that with Fuck Mountain. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> I got nothing after that. Yeah. Uh, it's, I don't know. It's just, it's just strange to me that like we feel the need to to like dumb him down to make him like a more accessible person. Like, oh, yeah, there are all these smart physicists. But this guy who's not that good at math, he's still got something that's worthwhile. So I, I do think you guys know this movie came from fucking Batman, whatever, Pattinson, giving um, Nolan right. American Prometheus right. as a rap gift. Right. That's a big fucking plot point in American Prometheus is that... Rob Oppenheimer is bad at math. So I almost feel like he really latched onto that. And then when it was repeated 500 more times yeah. in that book, he was like, mm, I got I to gotta hit home on this one. I, I should say that reminded me of another thing I, I wanted to Because it seems like a big part of your problem with this movie is that it was obvious. I, I'm not misreading that. No, right? I don't think so. Yeah. I, another like there's two origins of this movie. There's that. And the other one was Nolan was talking to his daughter and basically he was talking to her about the atomic about nuclear weapons. And she was like, well, none of my friends worry about that at all. And he was thinking maybe they should. You know, so I mean, maybe there's a reason he made this a little more obvious than the other things he's made. Somebody in this movie does say nuclear, and it does bother me. <laughs> um, they say Hiroshima, which yeah. bothers me. Well, yeah, but that is how. Was it Matt Damon who says that, or is it? I can't I, remember. I think Truman. I don't know. It, fe- it feels like something that Matt Fucking Damon would say. It's Hiroshima. Yeah. <laughs> Matt Matt Damon in his old age has turned into a greatest generation. Person. Oh, 100. Like he yeah. just looks like someone for, from 1945. For a guy, the the greatest generation absolutely would have made fun of. Right. <laughs> At the time, Goodwill Hunting came out. <laughs> No, the thing that the thing that bothered me is I don't feel like we needed the full heel turn for uh, Downey at the end. I think that undercuts it for me because I, I like I like the idea of you are slowly letting the audience in, like just dropping little hints until it's more and more obvious that right. he was the one that was sabotaging uh, Oppenheimer's reputation and career. Uh, but instead of like just kind of letting you realize it and and like let the thing go on as is they you know do the full he goes back to the office he does his fucking evil villain monologue speech where he's mostly like not wrong right. uh but because of the way he's saying it he sounds like the bad guy right. and then rami malik comes out after that and specifically says all the things that he's already said are bad again so you're clear that oh no he was the bad guy he did the bad stuff uh, I don't know. I, it, was, it was again very on the nose to me, and I don't. I feel like there was a, a more satisfying way to do that, where like we as the audience get to discover and like realize, oh right. no, he fucked Oppenheimer, as opposed to him and several other people telling us repeatedly. So I agree with some of what you're saying. I disagree with it. I don't like that bit either. Yeah, I don't really like any of the the hearing bits because. I feel like the movie should be about Oppenheimer dealing with his 
in con- or, or or maybe the wrongdoing he didn't understand that was wrong. Like he didn't understand that there are consequences to his actions. He just made choices off the hip. And while yes, I think they make that jury security clearance review all fucking evil when you actually like look on paper at the shit you kind of like i mean they kind of got a fucking point like as a person who's had a security clearance for fucking 15 years i absolutely would not hang out with a communist person (laughs) like it just is not something i'm not gonna hang out with someone from the soviet union or communist china like that's just would not be a decision i would make or hypothetically if someone said, if you want to tell me what you're doing at that super secret place you work at, <laughs> I'm just saying you could. Uh-huh. Right. Probably also would say something about that. Right. And so like, when you point out that, hey, these are not good decisions that you're making, and then you're like, well, he really only would have gotten in trouble if fucking Robert Downey Jr., if Tony Stark hadn't narked on him, right. yeah. he would have been totally fine. I think that undercuts the point. Because, and the point's important because it has everything to do with the fucking atomic bomb. Well, Okay, then do you guys think that basically it was all Matt Damon's fault undercuts the point? Because Matt Damon chooses him specifically because he's compromised. Specifically because he can control him because of that. Yeah, I mean, maybe there's it part of It kind of takes it some of the burden of, off but, of him. But again, that, I think that's historical. So, yeah. You know, what do you do? But, I mean, again, I, I don't... That's not enough for me to complain. I just... I thought that if any part of the movie was unnecessary, yeah, yeah. it was that part. I've just realized the person we missed because there's a lot of fucking people in this movie. I know it should bother me more to see Casey Affleck on screen at this point. I understand that he's more canceled, <laughs> but I fucking hate Josh Peck so much. I wish that guy would fall into a black hole. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think he's a good actor. No, he's not. A, he's yeah, not good so anything. I don't know why he he's, keeps getting. He's roles. just a fat guy that got skinny and thinks he's attractive now and good at acting. What, what's the guy with the big head's name? That's a lot of people. The Terminator, he has like a really plain name. He's the prosecutor at the hearing. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Not Joel Edgerton. Not Joel Edgerton, but a name like that. Oh, oh, uh... It's such just a white dude name. Why can't any of us think of it? We're all white dudes. Jason Clark. There, Jason Clark. I know a dude named Jason Clark. (laughs) Like, that's how white a dude am I? You're half of a Jason Clark. (laughs) I'm half of a Jason Clark, exactly. Yeah, I'd forgotten that guy exists. Where had he been? Yeah, I don't know. He's good in it, too. I hate his guts. (laughs) I know, we hate his guts. He's very good at that. (laughs) So... So many, so many handsome yet weirdly off-putting looking guys in this. Who do we think wins in that category? Mm. And it, we got to leave Cillian out. It's too cheap to give it to him. Uh, it's either Malik or Dane DeHaan. It's well, got to be I, one of those. Two I think guys. it's it's Malik. I think Benny Safdie's up there. Who plays? Uh, what is it? <laughs> well, Tyler Tillman. Every whatever. Yeah. dude in this yeah. movie fits in that category. Yeah. Um, it's a lot of just training. I that's, did. That's what we should, we should instead of talking about the movie, we should have just been ranking. The guys from, from creepy to least creepy. We, God, we've talked about this movie three times as long as we talked about Barbie. All the patriarchy shit that Barbie well, talked about was, is 100% accurate. Well, it was also three times as long. That's true, too. And also, we had more of a violent disagreement <laughs> yeah. about this. Yeah. Uh, uh, I had one more thing I was going to ask based on... Oh, yeah. How much... Silly Murphy, what do you think? Like 115 in this he's movie? Very he's skinny. very he's skinny. He's so skinny, and I didn't realize to this that he's kind of short. Is uh, he? Yeah, he's not yeah. a Every man. single person in this movie, except for Florence Pugh, was taller than him. He just wears those big hats the whole time. <laughs> he just lean, so he looks tall. Yeah, yeah I don't know. Great movie. Yeah, better than Transformers. Can't wait to watch it again. It's better than Transformers. It's What movie would you put above it so far this year? Didn't Spider-Verse come out this year? Yeah. Yeah, fucking Spider-Verse. I might put Guardians over it. I, I mean, like, it's neck and neck with Guardians I, for me. I think... 
I uh, I don't know. It's it's hard because like I know there is a distinction between a dumb superhero movie right, that, totally. that that has me by like the the IP that I love. <laughs> um, but I also like there's the same kind of thing by just having it. It's Nolan and it's all the stars. I think that is going a long way to being like we don't actually. It's hard to separate the actual quality versus the prestige involved. You know. Well, and I mean, the thing, the, my defense for having it next, because there is a part of me that wants to say Oppenheimer because I want people to think I'm smart and not sure. just a mark for comic book shit. But, I mean, one of my defense for Guardians 3 being a real movie is that I felt real emotions yeah, watching it. absolutely. It, it wasn't just, you know, watching a kid slam action figures together. I would say there are like four or five like truly good or great movies I've watched this year, and two of them are comic book movies. Right, yeah. Uh, uh, the one thing that I would think would push Spider-Verse down for me is it's half a movie. Yeah. Like, it's not a whole story. It's I, half a story. The, the the bigger thing I've got to work through personally is not comparing it as far as this year, but as far as recent biopics. Do I love this or Elvis more? I don't know. Oh, Ooh. it's Elvis. <laughs> That's hard for me. I'd, I'd rewatch Elvis four times for Oh, I know <laughs> I'll watch rewatch. I've, I've never rewatched it. Dude, uh, Oppenheimer is already so far behind, it could never catch up. Yeah, yeah. I've watched it once. I've watched it a few times. (laughs) It's like The Office for you. You just put it on and it's just in the background. Well, Barbenheimer. Barbenheimer. I I think we have said enough. We have said enough, and now we're going to say more things. Uh, But But about different things. Correct. But before we can get into what we've been watching, we did get an email. I finally remembered before we started doing it. All right. Uh, It is from our old pal Susie, and I would read you the whole thing, but she's kind of sent a whole manifesto in rebuttal to our last, what we've been watching, on uh, why people watch The Big Bang Theory. Oh, God. (laughs) Oh, God. Oh, dear. Uh, Man, Susie hates my opinion. (laughs) Well, they're they're bad. That's all it is. First of all, I I should say, when I went so hard on that, I didn't think anybody who loved it was watching, (laughs) or I wouldn't have, honestly. Um, Her her main point is that she doesn't necessarily think that it's, uh, like, people watch it for, like, the science jokes specifically. It's more the same kind of thing we watch general sitcoms for. It's like, you know, a group of friends in their 30s experiencing normal-ass life, and then the science-y shit is just kind of set decoration. That just doesn't happen enough in that show. Uh, Sure, sure, sure. Uh, But also that she says that, you know, it's got geeky stuff in it. There's things that she has learned from the show that she didn't know otherwise that about physics and science and, and geek things that she enjoys. So, you know. It, I, has I'm, Susie watched all of it? I'm going to text her. I don't know. You can find out. I but, mean, uh, I'll just say, I'll say this, and I may have said the same thing in the last one, but I'm sure cops hate watching T.J. Hooker or whatever oh, probably. crappy yeah, 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 cop yeah, 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 show yeah. you grew up watching. You know, just because they court. know that it's not correct. So that's probably why this show I mean, I don't know not really shit about running a physics lab. But I'm saying the geek stuff. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, Susie, I'm just going to keep giving opinions that you hate. (laughs) I try to never go hard on anything I think someone is listening to that they might love. So I feel bad about that one, genuinely. It's fine. She'll be all right. (laughs) Uh, I watch... Guys, I honestly don't remember. We haven't recorded in like almost a month. There's been a whole fucking strike since then. Which I feel iffy about us even doing the podcast because there's a fucking strike, but whatever. Who cares? Well, I mean, we're not not getting paid. That's Uh, true. That's a good point. No, we are getting... And no one else is going to take our job. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, it is funny to me because I personally, the the last two episodes are, are two Indiana Jones episodes or two of my like personal favorite episodes right God. both like i enjoy doing them and i feel like they're like good episodes then we just like fucked off for, three <laughs> weeks for no reason right. so 
the only thing I truthfully remember watching, um, I saw Wicked. That was cool on yeah, stage. Right on. Um, highly recommend that. That's better than Transformers. That's worth your time. Um, the only thing I remember watching on TV was I watched the Netflix documentary Quarterbacks, which came out at a great time in that, like, there's like the first or second week of July, which is just the dead zone for NFL anything. Um, and it's just close enough that you're like tingling for correct. it. Correct. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You're, you're getting the itch. Like it's like a dead, like baseball had come back and then baseball had kind of started to die off a little yeah. bit. And I don't know. It's just the worst time of the year for sports. It's terrible. Uh, but it follows Patrick Mahomes, Kirk Cousins, and Marcus Mariota, who was with my Atlanta Falcons last year, which is great because it's one godsend of a player one guy who's the definition of mediocre and one dude who can't keep a job (laughs) um and you absolutely see why those three are the way they are and i would classify it like this there is natural talent to be in the nfl you have to be good right like you have to be to be a professional athlete you have to at least be good at what you do and you can either be good because you're smart or you can be good because you're physically gifted and in the very rare cases you're both right and that's patrick mahomes Mm -hmm. he's both smart and incredibly naturally gifted he absolutely like studies and is inventive and is part of the playmaking decision and all of that's really interesting there's Kirk cousins who i really don't know what the physical gift is but you can tell he works really fucking hard mm-hmm. at his craft like he wants to be good he puts in the work then there's marcus Mariota, who i have no fucking idea what his like preparation was i'm just gonna feel it out you know on my lunch break my wife's gonna say some shit i'm gonna repeat it back <laughs> that should be good and the results for all three of those things show on the field one of those guys won the super bowl another one of those guys was bitched halfway through the year and another guy had decent success yeah if your your opinion on those three guys does not change at all in that show and <laughs> in that regard i'm going to say worse than transformers it's a waste of your time because you, you already, already know, know that <laughs> this is just funny. a confirmation of that but so you basically know. you don't like it for the same reason joseph didn't like oppenheimer correct exactly <laughs> like that way to tie it in <laughs> i like i was gonna i was gonna give a shit because i remember when mariota and james winston got drafted it one was, and two it was supposed to be like the the next manning brady for yep, like the yep. next generation both heisman trophy winners yeah and, and yeah. they they both absolutely like just fucking disappointed but you know what they're both still playing so they're like is winston still in the league yeah he's still i think he's still in the saints he's not no i don't know where he is then yeah Derek carr is quarterback for the saints mm. Taysom hills well yeah but the, what, fucking what about, a, what about a real backup <laughs> <laughs> god don't even get you know how i feel, I about know how you feel. anyway do you have anything else <laughs> no that's okay it. i i i think the thing mo- i've watched during our long absence that i feel most worthy of talking about is i've watched the uh new superman cartoon my adventures Dude, with yeah, superman it's so fucking good it is very good yeah i wonder there's so many things i wonder about it though because you know we say on here or not we use the phrase who is this for yeah i know exactly who this is for but I don't know if it reaches them. That's, I wonder the same thing, because I also, like, it, it splits that difference really, not well, the opposite of well, <laughs> of, yeah. of, like, it's still kid-friendly. Right. For sure. Right. But I definitely feel like content-wise, it's targeting you and I. <laughs> I who, who I think it's for, who uh-huh. this is for, is anyone who was 12 years old when Toonami was fucking banging. Yeah, sure. th- I think that's, that's why that's I love me. it. Yeah. <laughs> I... I think it's weird that it's on Adult Swim because there's nothing there's on nothing it. That, about it no. They yeah. show like one dead body, but it's not integral to the story. They yeah. could have just showed the people's reaction no, to the dead yeah. body. No, but I'm going to offer a counterpoint. I agree with what you're saying. 
Totally. There's no like cursing in it. There's right. no like blood and gore. But there's that one bit where like Lois takes off her top in front of Clark, even I mean, though she's facing the opposite direction. That's true. You're like that dude wants to bang, and that's very <laughs> anime. <laughs> that's what. The, yeah. Uh, yeah. I. You know. I love it. I. You know, I'm such a mark from the 90s Superman cartoons that it's hard for me to even give another Superman cartoon a try. And I like that this they just go completely different. Yep. This is basically almost an office sitcom with Superman in it. Mm-hmm. If I have one complaint, and maybe they'll do this later, but I really wish they'd, since it's my adventures from Superman, they'd really do some episodes from the point of view of Lois or Jimmy. Yeah. In, in that you're seeing it from the point of view of a person who thinks Clark and Superman are separate mm-hmm, people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you never see them as the same person in that episode. I don't know that I've ever done, seen that done, and it seems like this would be the place to yeah. do that. Oh, Jack Quaid's great as Superman. Jack good. Quaid is great. It's weird casting to me at first, but he, he does a great job. I tell you, I've only watched the first three episodes, but one of the things I think is a great decision, the thing that the 90s cartoon did so well is the origin for all Superman's mm-hmm. villains. They leveled up all of Superman's villains. I like in this so far, they've said, we're just not going to bother with that. It's just tech. We know we can't hang on that, so all the villains just found Intergain tech. I know that it, it is a tough comparison because, like, the character designs from the old '90s one are very good. Right. So, yeah, I, I guess that's fair. I, I don't love all of the the villain designs. Yeah, I don't either. But it's fine. I, uh, I liked their take, which, and this probably could be because the '90s never did this villain, but I really liked their take on Silver Banshee. Mm. It was a very anime take on Silver Banshee. Yeah, yeah. Is it is made by Anime Studio? Is it? Not? I have no idea. I think it is. I just, you know, again. It's seen for a younger audience. But, Anyone can watch it. But but it's but it's on during Adult Swim. Yeah, it's weird. But again, I think it's for... I mean, I know we all enjoy it, but I think it's for us when we were kids, yeah. and I don't know if it's for kids now. See, but I think that is a really fun idea. To be right. like, I'm going to make a show that adults now would have loved when they were children. Right. And I'm not going to make it for them being adults. I'm, right. You know what I mean? Like, it's going to... Totally. Con- That's a good Connect point. Yeah. to the thing that they fell in love with these characters with. I guess my worry is I just want this show to succeed, and I'm worried that it's... Yeah, I'm so, also worried about that. I mean, that's kind of... Two seasons guaranteed. Yeah. One okay, or two. Cool. But it was supposed to be on Max. Right. And it was part of the whole big cuts. Right. And the way they fucking found something to do, because the first season was done, was put it on... To not or yeah, adult, adult swim. swim. That's not encouraging. Well, yeah. I mean, I do think again, if you're making it for those twelve year old tsunami kids, most of those kids grew up to watch Adult Swim. Yeah, I mean, that's where tsunami still exists, even though it's a completely different entity now. You know, so I mean, I understand the strategy. I just don't know if I have faith that it's going to work. Man, I just want to point you something out here. How great of a fucking like marketing decision is it? If you're trying to create an anime block of television, that you take the guy who is the voice of Spike Spiegel, and then you make him his own fucking character who, like, is... I don't even know what Tom was on Toonami, but, like, right. it was just like, oh, right. that thing you love, we're gonna make this other character right. and connect it right to it so that you love all these other things. Mm. Like, a fucking genius decision. Look, I, I've got a video essay for you. I think you'll you like <laughs> about, I mean, about Toonami, but... I, 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 I mean, Toonami, you guys were you guys were still young when Toonami Correct. Came, right? I was, like, 10. Like, I, I, I was probably in my first apartment when, yeah. when Toonami hit, and I still watch that shit every day because it was just super fun. Yeah. Like it was uh, probably ninety seven or ninety eight mm-hmm. is when I first really got into. Tsunami. Yeah, 
You know, I could probably do a whole episode on Toonami. It was that was a good time. I could tell yes, you, sir. <laughs> specifically, Goku was on Snake Way. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Same. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's funny. Did I have anything else about that? Oh, I was gonna say the the show might not get canceled just because the internet loves the Lois Lane design so fucking much. I mean, yeah, yeah they for, love Korean Lois Lane. Yeah. <laughs> and let me tell you, that was the part that was gonna be the hardest sell for me because I love Daniel Delaney Lois Lane yeah. so much. Like, I don't think any live action any anybody's ever done that character there. One other, but I. I dig this. I dig this. Yeah. One other thing I wanted to say about it. The opening theme, even though it breaks my Superman theme rule, is a banger. What's your rule? Uh, it's not even my rule. It's Bruce Timm's rule. Any Superman theme has to have a three-note pattern that you can sing mm. Superman mm. to. And it does not have. Should have written him a letter. <laughs> uh, anything else for you, Arden? No, that's it. All right. Uh, I owe- Just want to talk about some Oppenheimer some more. Yep. <laughs> I owe our listener, it, I still don't know if it's Bill or Billy that I should call you. I was introduced to you as Billy. Uh, I owe Billy an apology because I watched uh, his Gundam show, Zero Eighth MS Team, I think is what mm-hmm. it was called, from the 90s. Uh, and it is the best Gundam show that I've seen. It, it really leans into more of like the military side. Of right. It. They're like essentially just a squadron on deployment out in a place they don't want to be. And, uh, you know bonding over kind of their mutual misery and also like why are we in this war in the first place there's like a star-crossed love between uh, uh, opposing sides it's pretty fucking good uh uh better than transformers and the best gundam show so uh, uh right on. good wreck the only other thing that i i think is of note is i've been recently doing is i i bought the original Bioshock for seven dollars mm. on oh, right. PS4. Classic. It's bro. fucking good. It's good. I've, I watched. I uh, watched a good friend play it years ago, but I'd never played it myself. And yeah, I mean, it's just, it's like a very cool atmosphere. Mm-hmm. And I, so uh, you know, all, all the other ones are also like ten bucks. So I think I will probably uh, uh, just power through those in my own time in the next in the coming weeks. Bioshock is one of those things that I. I, that that's one of the last things I really got into before I kind of lost interest in video games. Yeah. And I don't understand how that hasn't been a movie. No, All the like things sense. they've turned into movies, that one's just begging to. Sp- speaking of playing old video games, I bought a game called Transformers Devastation. Do you guys remember this? No, sir. It, I don't know even how many years ago it was, but it's basically done in all the original animated series designs. Mm. And it's like, do you remember there was a Hulk game that was just you went around breaking shit yes, as the Hulk? Yeah. It's that. It's a fucking delight. That it's, sounds fun. It's what you remember the cartoon, old cartoon being without going back and watching it. Hmm. But uh, highly recommend it. Transformers Devastation. Better than Transformers. Better than Transformers. There you go. Yay. All right. So next week, I don't know if there's there any movies or anything we want to talk about. Well, we were going to try to see Ninja Turtles this weekend. Oh, yeah. We could try Ninja Turtles. Also, we haven't done news in a long time. There's probably no. some news to talk about. I, yeah. I say come Monday, if we've seen Ninja Turtles, we do Ninja Turtles. And if we haven't, we do news. Okay. To Joseph's point, we haven't talked about them fucking casting Superman yet. Like, yeah, that's yeah, yeah. That's a good, good point. Yeah. Yeah. So, I don't know. But. And we have a lot of retractions to do on Fantastic Four God, so many, bro. I'm so excited. I want to do some <laughs> yeah, retractions. Yeah, so maybe we'll just do names. Yeah, we'll see. All right. But thank you, everybody, for listening to our, uh, you know, it wasn't that much longer than usual. Barbenheimer yeah, episode. <laughs> it was more emotional than usual. Yeah. Please rate, subscribe, tell your friends about the podcast. If you want to uh, tell us your opinions on Oppenheimer and who is the creepiest guy in it, you can read <laughs> us at realphonesgmail.com. You can also follow us on Facebook and Twitter. At Real Phones on Instagram, Real underscore Phones. Thanks to Zach Evans for our Brian Velasquez for our theme. We'll see you guys later. Later.